today's topic is, is the ark that we just heard about has come back to Jerusalem. Uh, so if you have a Bible, uh, it's 2 Samuel chapter 6, um, and uh, you'll notice one of the themes as we've followed through the lectionary, which is the set readings that many churches have and, and the Anglican church uses. Uh, so we're following through um, that this year, um, and uh, a recurring theme uh, really for most of us who preach is, is why have they missed a bit out? And again today, they miss a bit out that is very crucial. So I will cover that um, when we get to it. Uh, but the Ark, um, just for those of you who don't know and didn't get the Indiana Jones reference at this, um, earlier on in the service that Roxanne gave, the Ark is not Noah's Ark. The Ark is basically a big box. Um, I cycled to church this morning because so I wasn't able to bring an Ark of the right size. But um, here I've got, um, if you notice verse uh, two, uh, the ark was brought in on a cart. And so here I have my ark um, and, and my cart, which has been specially made just for today. Not really. I found the box in the room at the end. Um, so the ark in real life is actually bigger than this. Um, some of you will know the dimensions of the ark given in cubits, but to translate that into feet, it's approximately uh, going to be um, uh, two feet by four feet. So, so something bigger than this. This is probably a quarter size. Um, I'll, I'll hold. It's full of stuff as well. I'll hold it up. <laughs> um, and, and of course, the ark was actually uh, quite heavy, um, because inside the ark was what? This is quite heavy. Could someone answer before I drop it? Thank you, Kathy. It was the. It's not really that heavy. I'm just, uh, it was the stone tablets that were given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Do you remember Moses went up to Mount Sinai? He was there for 40 days, and um, he got the commandments, the Ten Commandments, on two tablets of stone, and he made them, he put them into a box, um, which was called the Ark of the Covenant. Um, so this was a significant piece um, of the story we see through the Old Testament. Uh, the ark in real life uh, was not made of uh, corrugated cardboard. The ark was um, made of, I think it says, acacia wood, and it's coated in gold, so it really is quite fancy and quite special. Um, and where the ark is in the story that we pick up, um, the ark is not, um, is not here. Last week, you remember I talked about David going to Jerusalem as he's anointed king over Israel. Um, so he's in Jerusalem, and now he decides in all his kingship and all his majesty, he's going to go and get the ark, which um, had been taken by the Philistines for a season. They didn't like it because they, they recognized that there was some mysterious power it had. Uh, we know it didn't have mysterious power. It was that it represented um, this covenant between God and God's people. Um, and so uh, the, the power was not in the ark itself. The power was in the fact uh, this was this was. God at work um, and, and a representation. So anywhere they would go when they went out to battle, they'd take the ark 800 meters in front of them. That would kind of go and prepare the way. They'd have a tent or a tabernacle and they'd put the ark in it. Um, and so it, it would kind of go around with them. Uh, but now the ark, a bit like that forgotten piece of uh, Renaissance painting, was sitting in somebody's private house. They were looking after it very well, but it wasn't there uh, with the people. Um, in Saul's time, that's where it was for, uh, we read, about 20 years. And so... David goes, why don't we go and get this thing and bring it back? Now we have a city to be in, Jerusalem, 
Let's bring the ark back to Jerusalem. So off they go, 30,000 of them, it says. We don't know if that was a literal 30,000 or just um, often when something is a certain number like this, it just means a lot of people. So they go off, they come back with the ark. And as you can see, they had the ark on a cart. And uh, the ark wasn't meant to be carried on a cart. Now, if I'd made a model of an ark, I would have actually got two long poles because the ark was, if you can imagine, um, the ark would be, there is stuff in this, but I'm just going to balance it there. Uh, the, the, there we go. You know, I'll just put it down. <laughs> I just don't want to drop it. It would be embarrassing. Uh, so so the, ark, the ark was a big box, two poles. So you can imagine somebody standing at the back and somebody standing at the front holding the poles, carrying the ark. That was how it was to be transported with this kind of reverence and kind of people around it at walking pace, four miles an hour, not on a cart uh, that had been made for the occasion. Um, so, so it's kind of like what's happening is David's going to get the ark but he's not planning on transporting it with the uh, reverence it's supposed to be transported with. But anyway, here he comes. He's got the ark. They're on the way in. And a bit like something that's going to happen a few hours from now in either London or Rome. Uh, any bets on London? Uh, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, there's a big soccer match today uh, called the Euro um, 2020 final. It's happening a year late. England are versing Italy, and someone's going to win a cup. Um, and there's probably going to be some kind of a parade in one of those capital cities. Um, as uh, It would be like if the Stanley Cup was, was won by the Vancouver Canucks. I, I don't think that ever happens. Um, is that right? Uh, it hasn't, no. I, I, I don't know much about hockey, but one thing I know, it's like a boss I used to work for, I never knew how Derby County soccer team were playing, but I would just say on Monday morning, who did Derby lose to this weekend? And he would just get really annoyed because he knew I hadn't got a clue, but they had lost to somebody. Anyway, maybe they're playing better now. I digress. What was the point I was saying? Um, where am I? So parading in uh, with, um, with the ark, and there would have been an excitement, and that's what happens, you know, when someone wins a cup. That was the link. Okay, so they're parading in, and there's music, and there's dancing, and there's singing, and Andrew read this list of nine or ten different instruments that were there. Some of them we recognize, some are really hard to translate. We don't know what they were. Stringed instruments, things you bang, things you blow through like trumpets, loads of noise. Here it comes. And then we get to the bit that the lectionary editors cut out. What happens there? They've brought the ark in. They're doing all this celebrating. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. And God struck him down. He died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry and because of the Lord's wrath that had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord. Well, you would be, wouldn't you? At that moment, you would be afraid of the Lord. Someone is coming in, you're dancing, you're celebrating that the ark is returning, and somebody is struck down dead next to it. How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me, says David? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city. So instead he took it to another house, uh, put it in someone's house, and he went there for three months. 
That's the short version of the next few verses. And then after the three months, um, uh, King David was told, because the Lord blessed that household, okay, now you can have the ark again. The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So he saw again that the ark was a place of blessing when it was held in reverence. So David went to bring the ark up of God from the house of Obed-Eden to the city of David with rejoicing. So we're coming in again and we're rejoicing, carrying the ark. But this time, it says um, David was wearing a different item of clothing. He was wearing a linen ephod. Linen ephod, that, that was a gown that a priest would have worn. Uh, so the first time he came in, he's wearing his, his robes as the king. They're bringing it in on a cart. Uh, it's, it's, um, they're, they're rejoicing and celebrating in the strength of the kingdom in their own strength. And the second time, after, after seeing how irreverent that was and how that upset God, now they realize they have to treat it carefully. And so they bring it in, carrying it as they're meant to, holding the poles and carrying it in, doing the sacrifices they were meant to be doing. And instead of wearing the kingly robes and the crown, David is wearing priestly robes. He's still, it says, dancing and singing and bringing up shouts of praise to the Lord. But there's a difference. So the ark of the Lord goes into the city and it's put in its own place. And all is well. So, what can we learn today? I think the big thing that we have to learn is noticing there is not an awful lot of difference between the two halves of the story. They're really similar. But yet there's a world of difference because it's about where do you put, uh, what are your priorities? The first time, they were bringing in God's ark this, this symbol uh, of a covenant between God and his people. But they were doing it in their own strength. The second time, they were bringing it in uh, and putting God first. Treating God how he wanted to be treated, in other words. You know, it's very easy for us as people, isn't it? To, uh, especially, I mean, I find this really hard because I'm an ideas person. I love to run away with an idea. Some of you who've known me for a while will know this. And it's very easy, isn't it? To, uh, if, if you think like that, here's what I'm going to go and do. And you run away with the idea and then you stop and go, I should pray about this. God, here's what I'm doing. Can you bless it, please? And so often that's what we can do. We decide everything and we ask God to be with us on the journey. That's what they were doing in the first half of this story. And in the second half of the story, after realizing the reverence they had to hold God in, he realized he got it the wrong way around. We have to stop and listen to what God is saying. So as we seek to discern things in our lives, as we try and work out what we might want to do for our career, where we want to find a house, or what we might be doing next in our lives, we have to put God first and listen to what God might say to us. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we sit there for ages doing nothing while we're waiting for God to speak. We can be proactive. 
but it means we just have to be careful that we get the balance right. It's the same as, um, as, as we, we know from the Lord's Prayer that we get to call God Father, our Father in heaven. It's a privilege to be able to call um, the God creator of everything our Father. And it rolls off the tongue for us because especially if you're in an Anglican tradition, you've learned our Father in heaven, um, probably in many different versions. Uh, our Father in heaven, we, we can just say it like that. But actually, God is also almighty God, everlasting God, creator God. And yeah, we get to call God our Father. So somehow we have to hold in tension these two things, the reverence and respect and awe and wonder that God deserves, and also the fact that we have the privilege of being able to call God our dad, our daddy, Abba, Father. We have those two things. We see time and again, as we look at the story of David, the times when he gets it wrong. And you know, what do people say? It's always better to learn from someone else's mistakes than to have to make the mistake and learn yourself. Uh, so that's one of the joys as we go through the Old Testament and we see uh, what happened. And we've got more mistakes David's going to make uh, in the time that comes up. But time and again, he comes back to God. And so that's what we do too. When we go our own way and then we come back, we confess we say, God, I'm sorry, and we come back to him. Now, of course, God is not in the ark. The significance of the ark was because of what it represented in the same way that the flag of a country is significant because of what it represents, but it is not the actual country. God was not in the ark. The ark itself was not powerful as the Philistines had thought. But what's important is noticing the relationship that God had with his people. For us, it's not about a box or wearing a cross or having a special Bible. For us, it's about the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. That through Jesus' death on the cross, we are made right with God. That's why we get to call him Father. That's why we get to call Jesus our brother and our friend. 